0: You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontraman. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell-Shaw of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle.
1: Hello, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there today.
0: Michelle, today's episode of Lighthearted is a special one because you're not only joining me to record the beginning and closing segments, but you also helped me with the interview that we're going to be listening to in a little while. Thank you for doing that.
1: You're welcome, Jeremy. It was my pleasure.
0: I wanted you to be part of the interview because our subject today is Moose Peak Lighthouse on the northern Maine coast, and you actually visited that lighthouse and met the owners on Maine Open Lighthouse Day this past September. I've been near it in boats a few times, but I've never actually been on the island. Visiting there must have been an amazing experience.
1: It really was, Jeremy. It's such a beautiful, beautiful island. It's such a wonderful place to visit. And Jeremy and Miriam, they are just, and their friends that are there helping them, just made it so welcoming for us that day.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly off the beaten track.
1: It definitely is.
0: And uh, we'll be hearing from them in just just a few minutes. And uh, let's start by telling our listeners a little bit more about Moose Peak Lighthouse and, again, uh, the owners, Miriam Davidson and Jeremy Richardson.
1: Sure, Jeremy. The body of water known as Moosebeck Reach is off the northern main coast, about halfway between Bar Harbor and Eastport. It separates the town of Jonesport from Beals Island and several smaller islands. The name Moosebeck apparently had its origins in Abenaki Indian word, possibly meaning moosehead, a number of spelling variations have appeared to the years. Pecky Reach, Musabecky's Reach, Moose Peak Reach, and others.
0: The name of 30-acre Mistake Island, about four miles south of Musabeck Reach at the southwest side of the entrance to the shipping channel, known as Main Channel Way, appears to be another corruption of Musabeck Mistake and several other nearby islands were sometimes collectively referred to as the Moose Peak Islands.
1: Congress and President John Quincy Adams authorized the building of a lighthouse on the east point of Mistake Island, about five miles from Jonesport, in March 1825. The light served to guide mariners to Moosebeck Reach and Beals Harbor to the north and to guide direct coastal traffic heading east to the Bay of Fundy. The station was established in October 1826. A 24-foot-tall round rubblestone tower and dwelling were constructed.
0: The 57-foot brick tower that stands today was built in 1851. By 1901, the keeper's house was in disrepair. Two years later, a new two-family house was completed and linked to the lighthouse tower by a walkway. In 1912, a fog signal house was erected with a powerful diaphragm foghorn. During the period from 1918 to 1934, the keepers at Moose Peak Light logged more hours of dense fog than any other main light station. The island averaged 1,607 hours per year, meaning it was foggy about 20% of the time.
1: The light was automated and de-staffed in 1972, and the last Coast Guard keepers were removed. The Fresnel lens was replaced by an acrylic optic. The dwelling was almost sold to a private party, but the high cost of a sewage system that would meet EPA standards caused the sale to fall through. In
0: 1982, after the Maine State Preservation Office gave its okay, a military team blew up the keeper's house as a training exercise with 500 pounds of explosives. The demolition didn't go exactly as planned the glass in the lighthouse lantern was shattered, and the helicopter landing pad was damaged.
1: Moose Peak Lighthouse remains an active aid to navigation. It was the setting of the 2016 movie, To Keep the Light, about a woman lighthouse keeper in the late 1800s and written and directed by its star, Erica Fay.
0: Under the guidelines of the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act, the lighthouse was sold via online auction in 2012. The high bidder was Donald Vaccaro of Connecticut, It was later sold to Jeremy Richardson and Miriam Davidson. Jeremy was born in Bangor and has lived in Maine his entire life. Miriam was born and raised in Colorado, but has spent time in New England throughout her life. She says she is drawn to the region's history and cold weather.
1: Miriam moved to Maine full-time in 2013 and currently works for the Maine Department of Corrections as a forensic psychiatric nurse practitioner. Jeremy enjoys varying occupations and claims to be impartial to the days of the week. Together with their five dogs, the couple enjoys outdoor adventures and is excited for the opportunities Moose Peak Lighthouse and Mistake Island present.
0: Michelle, you and I sat down with Miriam Davidson and Jeremy Richardson, my home right here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire in January. Let's listen to that conversation now. I am here at the famous, lighthearted recording studios on Bluefish Boulevard in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And with me are Miriam Davidson and Jeremy Richardson, the owners of Moose Peak Lighthouse, way up in Jonesport, Maine. Miriam and Jeremy, thanks so much for coming down from Maine today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having us. You're so welcome. Also joining me for this interview is my frequent co-host, Michelle Jewel shaw Michelle is going to help me with this interview because she has had the pleasure of visiting Moose Peak Lighthouse, something I've never done. I've been near it in boats a number of times, and I've researched its history and written about it, but I have never had the pleasure of actually being on the island. Mistake Island uh, is where Moose Peak Lighthouse is located. (laughs) Michelle, you visited Moose Peak Lighthouse on Maine Open Lighthouse Day last September. That must have been a real adventure.
1: It was a really great day. Jeremy and Miriam were very welcoming to all of us, and the island and the lighthouse are just beautiful. It was a great day, and I can't wait to go back again.
0: Just to uh, fill people in a little bit more on Maine Open Lighthouse Day and what that's all about, That's a uh, it is co-sponsored by the American Lighthouse Foundation and the U.S. Coast Guard, and it's an event that's held on a Saturday early in September every year. It's gone on for quite a few years. And each year on Maine Open Lighthouse Day, quite a few lighthouses that aren't normally open for public tours are open to the public. And this past year, thanks to Miriam and Jeremy, Moose Peak Lighthouse was open to the public. So we'll we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But uh, Jeremy and Miriam, what led you to buy? Moose Peak Lighthouse. That's a pretty obvious question, but had you wanted to own a lighthouse for a while or
2: how did that come about? Sure. You know, that's a question we get a lot. We had been looking, we love to ice fish. And so we'd been looking for a property on the water. And through that, we were getting emails of any waterfront property that was for sale. And um, we were in bed one night looking through the, the real estate listings and I saw a lighthouse and I said, "Dude, there's a lighthouse for sale." <laughs> and um, we looked at it, and it, you know the pictures were just stunning. And I said, "Oh, that would be so cool." And we quickly dismissed it as just an unrealistic—you know, it, it wasn't a freshwater spot. And uh, and anyway, the next morning we woke up and we said, "Should we go look at that place?" And and this was in January, January of just last year, so January two thousand nineteen. And um, we decided, you know, what, what would it hurt to go look at it? And so we got in contact with. Billy Milliken who was the um listing agent and uh he we were on a lobster boat that week I think.
3: He when we called he said, "Well, how soon can you go?" We <laughs> <laughs> said so we um drove down there and um he loaded us on the lobster boat and we made the treacherous um you know you had to get onto the island and everything was all ice so it was it was pretty intense but um we fell in love right away so he 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 always said, "Well, if you love it
1: in January,
3: just wait till the summertime." So, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Was there something about Mistake Island that grabbed you and made you feel like you had to buy it?
2: My family's from Down East. We're we're from Cutler. Cutler Maine and we we've often talked about getting away from we we've been living in Augusta area and just getting back either up north or down east and uh sort of away from what we call the city life. And um and so just being down in Jonesport and just driving through the little town, I, I think we just were quickly drawn to the slower pace of life and, and uh, yeah, just being in that ocean community, and we just loved it. And so, um, yeah, I think it was quickly obvious to both of us that we wanted to be there.
3: Well, and we we both also are really drawn to the history of Maine, and um, we're we love knowing the old things not just lighthouses but um seeing it and seeing how much history was there it really um was clear that it was a place that needed somebody to take care of it and to love it and um you know that it contained a lot of really awesome stuff that we wanted to that we felt like we could be a good steward of people having access to that and maintaining it so
0: so did you get a chance to inspect the property before you bought it
2: yeah yeah we we yeah we we were Billy Millican he's a great guy he was the one, he he was actually on the nonprofit board that we bought it from and he was also the real estate agent and he was very thorough in letting us know what we were getting ourselves involved in and and we also kind of liked the you know I, I I've never pictured I call it a Martha Stewart lighthouse I've never sort of pictured us having this bright shiny you know I kind of like the the cracks and the history and the, it, it, it just has great energy, great energy.
3: And I can't, uh, he, multiple times, Billy said to us, I just want you to know you're doing this sort of at your own risk. <laughs> we we're not sure, you know, we were able to go in and go all the way out to the light and um, get the doors open and get, and you know, he, I, when we got to the bottom of it, we were sort of like, well, um, are we going up? And he, he said, feel free to go up, but you're doing it sort of at your own risk. So, um, yeah, we climbed up the tower the first time we were there and,
2: um, it was pretty incredible. Just the whole time you're just awestruck. We did, we went out there, I think two or three times before we actually bought it and, um, had people come out and look at one of our great friends, um, Mike Blay. He's a, he's a foundryman and and sort of the cast iron staircase. And, you know, we had him out there. He's a, a master, a master with the old iron. And um, so we had him out there looking at everything and sort of saying like, hey, you know, is this something that, that we could do some of the work ourselves and, and uh, as we try to bring this back to life?
3: Yeah, th- we just didn't want to be in over our heads. So we did have a few people come out to say, you know, it's it's something that's going to need work, but it's not it's not anything that's unachievable. So yeah I think we were excited about that. There's you know lots of ideas about what you could do out there and and the really for us, the main thing right now is just figuring out how to um, keep the light standing and operational you know that's a big piece for us but um yeah just we we felt like it was something that we could take on
1: overall what kind of condition is the lighthouse itself in you know
2: there's there's lots of different varying opinions and research about about the lighthouse but from what i can tell and then talking to the coast guard not not a ton of work was done in the 20th century out there we've seen some photos of some different plans and different stuff but like the 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 spiral staircase i think was from the 1880s you know and that's still standing and uh some of the i know some of the mortar we got a extensive report from the Coast Guard that they did a few years ago. And some of that mortar is old, old mortar. And um, so I I think, given all of that, if nobody's touched it and done a whole lot of work in the over 100, the last 100 years, I think it's, I mean, there's there's cracks, there's cracks from head to toe of that thing and water is getting in. But I think it's 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 standing it's gonna take a lot for that to go anywhere and that that's the big thing is right now it takes
3: on a lot of water um in the inside of the structure and so that's that's sort of our short short-term goal right now is to figure out how to uh just make it it's never i don't think it's ever going to be uh watertight, but um at least stop all of the water that is getting in or most of the water it part of right now it's really hard is because it freezes and thaws and freezes and thaws and mm-hmm. and that's um we met with the coast guard and they sort of gave us a little rundown of we got their report but also just what their sort of concerns were because Again, we want to. It's act. It's an active um, aid to navigation right now, and we want, And that's that's something that we really enjoy about it, and we're hopeful we can keep that going. And I think they there's some concerns that the structure of it it may be getting to a place where they're not feeling safe enough to be able to have it continue. So that's we sort of met with them, and they gave us some ideas about. Okay, if you start here, some short term stuff that we can do right away that isn't going to cost a whole lot of money, and then have a plan in the future for, uh, you know, in 10 years or something, a bigger sort of uh, renovation to make something longer That uh, once we've been able to do some fundraising and things like that.
0: Have okay. you done any work at, uh, yourself so far? Any uh, basic maintenance of any kind? We
2: did. It, I mean, we cleaning it took us a weekend and we were just covered head to toe. Um, we haven't done a ton of work to the structure itself yet um a lot of our efforts because yeah we closed on it maybe april or may Mm -hmm. of 2019 yeah so it hasn't been long no it hasn't been long and what a lot of we did last year was um there was a boathouse that we also owned out there and we turned that sort of into a a bunk a bunk house um and so a lot of our we painted, we you know, we painted the exterior of that, and put in a wood stove, and and made it sort of cozy. So we had a spot to stay when we were out there working.
3: And um, we put a lot of time and energy into just cleaning uh, the trash, the debris on the island, and the the walkway to get to the to the light. From where you get on, you have to walk about a quarter of a mile out, and the walkway uh, needed some work, and the plants overgrowing, and some of that stuff, and then and then just trash picking yeah. up a lot and a lot and a lot of trash and um there's some other debris stuff out there that um you know they filmed a movie out there and there's still props and stuff out there just sort of scattered around so doing a lot of just getting all of that organized and yeah. more more um elbow grease type stuff so
0: yeah yeah now you mentioned i know the the coast guard provided a, a, a study of the the structure but has there been a th- any thoughts of having a more in-depth engineering study? I know that's that's expensive
2: yeah. to have done. Yeah, yeah, we've thought about that. And we've been in, you know, whether we've contacted different people or whether people have contacted us once they found out that we were out there. We've been in talking with people about different contractors that have had experience restoring lighthouses, and you know, just starting to scratch our heads about what needs to happen and what order and you know, the sequencing of where do you even start yeah yeah so we have been
3: and the the funding is a big piece you know right now we could get that done but there isn't you know we're still in the process of getting money together and so even if we had a more in-depth thing that's like you need to do all this stuff we're sort of still at the place of just doing some stuff that's a little bit more temporary and um you know within our grasp to do before we really look Wide, So we haven't done anything more in depth as far as assessments and things, but Mm -hmm. we've we've had lots of names of people that like, oh, you should contact this person. They, um, you know, do restoring of this sort of stuff. So, yeah, we have looked at other places, like just looking at other places that have been restored, you know, with helicopters coming in and taking the whole you know the whole lantern off the top and things it's it's sort
1: of um intimidating (laughs) but yeah we're sort of starting small so of course there may be things that contractors you know will need to do but do you guys feel that there's a lot of things that you guys can do yourselves or with the help of volunteers
2: oh yeah sure especially initially just i mean one of the things we talked with um the the coast guard about was just filling the cracks with mortar you know and and some of that stuff around the base we can do um it would be tricky once we start setting up scaffolding and you know around and and making sure everybody feels safe but we'll figure out how to do that and then just up in the in the lantern room itself getting just some marine caulking around the windows both inside and outside just because i i'll tell you the not only do the waves crash up and over but it it's some pretty treacherous weather out there and just the rain the driving rain it just that that lantern room we've been out there and it it fills up there's water in there and um so yeah just some of that we can do ourselves for sure
0: uh besides the lighthouse the only other building that's still standing out there is the old fog signal building yeah uh, what kind of shape is
2: that in, and do you have any plans for that building? So the fog signal building is still o- is owned by the Coast Guard, and so,
3: as far as we know, although it, when we met with the Coast Guard, they weren't exactly aware of that either. So okay, the, all the the wording is a little bit okay, but
0: okay. Yeah. Well, obviously, I wasn't clear on yeah,
2: that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's some. Yeah, and in the documents when we bought it, it was. It's clear that the Coast Guard owns that building, um, and so yeah, and the, I mean the roof, the roof definitely need, is a concern on, on that. It need, that needs some work, and then in the inside of that building is where the batteries for the solar is are being stored mm-hmm. um, in there, and we have access. Our key, our, the key, the same key that opens the lighthouse opens that right. fog signal building, and so. <laughs> Yeah, that, it needs some TLC, too.
3: That building, though, is pretty sound, I mean, comparatively to the lighthouse, you know, and it's, um, again, it's full of, it's got all these old movie props that were left there from this movie that was filmed there, but, um, it, you know, it really just needs some cleaning, too, and that's something we feel like we can do, too. Um, but it's an awesome little um, area, and I think that the foghorn has been turned off, um, I think after this movie or during the movie they had to right. negotiate getting it right. turned off right yeah. I remember that and yeah I, and I don't think it's been turned back on oh. um, since then at least I've not heard the foghorn mm. go off okay. So, but it, and it gets foggy out there but um, yeah so the foghorn building is another place that's pretty cool and right right
0: well regardless of who actually owns it you may be able to negotiate some use of it i would imagine
3: yeah i mean they they have they indicated when you're out there that you know it's um we're not using it and as long as you leave the battery stuff alone yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it's yeah. yeah, so
2: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And the, the bunkhouse that we've used the boathouse that turned into the bunkhouse has been uh, without that there, we really wouldn't be able to do spend a whole lot of time out there. It's it's really hard to be out on the exposed part of the island and the the boathouse is in a much better location and a calmer side of the island and um so we have an easement that allows us um from, to from the walkway to use the boathouse mm-hmm. and then part of the island is owned by the nature conservancy, right. which is where the boathouse is, but we have an easement that allows um, us to own that there. So,
0: Right. Tell me about the boathouse. I'm not sure I'm familiar with the, with the boathouse. Is that, was that part of the, the light station or is that, does
2: it? Yeah, it's an old coast guard boathouse. Um, and I'm not sure, I haven't seen any official date of when that was built, but I, guess maybe in the 20s or 30s somewhere in there you know it's it's cool it's got it's the old um cedar shingles on the roof i mean it's it's a cool and we've definitely sort of um made it look the part and um we've been it's been a great spot for us to lay at night
1: it's a really cozy little space i i loved being in there yeah the tough thing with a remote offshore lighthouse like Moose Peak is that it's hard to open for tours. Although you guys did bring, you know, a group of us out mm. for Open Lighthouse Day. Mm. Do you guys plan on doing that again this coming year? That was that was a really great day.
2: Yeah, we'll definitely participate again in the Open Lighthouse Day. And then been talking with some other organizations about how to get other people out there and to let them know that we're we're out there um, and encouraging people to come out and check out the island because it's certainly part of our vision is to have com- community involvement and have it be a place that people can access and um.
3: yeah that's a really important piece for us is again it's like this this really amazing historical thing and uh, and figuring out how we can have people be out there um, I didn't hear if you mentioned we you know we've talked with um Mita the Maine Island Trail Association and about maybe figuring out how to be a part of that so that people who sort of are coming through can can stop and get mm-hmm. out there and get on there. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting balance for us because part of what's so amazing about it is the remoteness and how quiet it is right. inside, you know, and, um, we definitely want people to be able to come out there, you know, but there's also a piece of you <laughs> Like we don't want, you don't want droves of people right, coming exactly. out. So, you know, but it's, it is, it is pretty awesome to, um, have other people be able to experience it. And yeah, yeah. Do you guys have any specific like fundraising goals at this point? Um, Where we are, we have lots of goals about that. You know, we have a GoFundMe page that we um, we have started, and we have an Instagram page that uh, to sort of bring awareness. Um, we're in the process of trying to figure out. Uh, we have getting input about is there any sort of grants or things available that we can look at or. Um, we're working on trying to maybe create a website, too, that people can come to and, and learn a, b- a little bit more about it. And so all of that's sort of in the initial stages. Of it must this. be a pretty overwhelming
1: yeah, undertaking yeah. as well. So
3: Right, right. Trying to figure out the best way to, to have the right people know about it. And then also, we, we still aren't very clear about what actually needs to be done and how much that is actually going to cost. I mean, we clearly just the stuff that we're doing now requires some, um, some funding. And right. so, you know, we're, we're happy to, um, be sort of moving in that direction, but we've had different ideas about how to, how to bring awareness and some stuff. That's great. Right. Um, yeah.
0: Just before you came came over Jeremy and Miriam uh, Michelle and I were reminiscing about the movie The Lighthouse, which we talked about in an earlier episode of this podcast, the recent movie The Lighthouse, which is a very interesting uh, sort of uh, surreal movie in a way, but the the lighthouse that was used in the movie, the lighthouse that was actually built for the the movie, it was built in uh, at Cape Forshoe in Nova Scotia for the movie. But it reminded both uh, Michelle and, and me of uh, Moose Peak Lighthouse.
1: It definitely did look <laughs> a little bit like that. As it looked
0: historically, when it had its keeper's house and mm-hmm. uh, a walkway between the, the uh, lighthouse and the keeper's house. Right. And before we started recording, you said the same thing, that oh, yeah. it also reminded you of, of Moose Peak Lighthouse. So that was kind of cool.
2: Yeah, and that movie was supposed to... I know it was, it was filmed in Nova Scotia, but it was supposed to be... In Maine. Yeah, based in Maine. And... Um, and I know Willem, Willem Dafoe has a, a, a house in Maine and, mm-hmm. and a close connection. And I, I just loved his role. And I thought the whole thing was just, I mean, I loved the black and white filming. I loved how foggy and harsh the weather was. And I mean, that's one thing that we love about Mistake Island is, I mean, we're we're a bit wild. And we love how wild it is out there. It just really suits us. And I thought the movie did a great job portraying that.
3: When I first heard about it or saw a preview for it, I was uncertain about whether I actually wanted to go and see it because, you know, when you're out on the island and you're all by yourself and you're there with the light, you know, at times it can get a little spooky out there. And I didn't (laughs) know how much, like, I wanted to, like, see, you know, sort of crazy stuff happening. But it it is a reminder of just, you know, what the conditions are like out there and what... Those types of conditions can do to human people, and um, you know humans have been out there and, and been through a lot. And so it's it's interesting how it sort of draws on that history. When you're there, you you just you sort of can feel that this place has had stuff that has gone on. You know, there've been a lot
1: of stories. Yeah,
3: that, yeah, yeah.
2: And one of the the cool things about um we've mentioned Billy Milliken, who's become a dear friend of ours. Alexander Milliken, who was the first lighthouse keeper, is a is a distant relative of Billy Milliken. Oh, okay. And so we've really enjoyed. He he has um what is it moose moose stew some family recipe that came from all the way back you know a family recipe that's from back then and he's still been making the moose peak stew and <laughs> and um has some pretty cool stories about um, reports of moose when the foghorn used to sound moose would actually swim out to the island because they thought it was like a mating call and, <laughs> and i've always said that would just be the coolest thing if we saw a moose kind of coming up and over the waves
1: that would be pretty cool <laughs> <That'd> be awesome.
0: <laughs> well speaking of the uh, the isolation of the the place i happen to have a copy in my book here a book that i wrote called in the lighthouses of maine the acadia region and the bull coast and it has a chapter on moose peak lighthouse And I was just reviewing it before you came. And uh, let me read a a paragraph here. Life was usually harmonious, but there were times when the island seemed too small for two or three families. In 1887, the local inspector wrote to the chairman of the lighthouse board that the, quote, wife of the principal keeper and his grown-up daughters used the vilest possible language, unquote, toward the assistant keeper and his family, visitors, and even the principal keeper himself. The principal keeper, Thomas Dodge, was soon removed and the assistant, Charles E. Dobbins, was promoted. So as a reminder that uh, sometimes an island like that was too small for for families, you know, and uh, kind of reminds you in a way of the movie The Lighthouse, you know. Yeah, with the, the sort of tumultuous relationship between those two characters. But one of the other things that, that Moose Peak Lighthouse, of course, is famous for is its uh, frequent fog. Uh, and I don't know how much of that you've experienced, but anybody who lives on the main coast has experienced uh, plenty of fog. But Mistake Island, Moose Peak Lighthouse is one of the foggiest locations uh, on the main coast. And a... Uh, it had a, a fog bell originally, and then a powerful fog horn uh, was installed in 1912. And in 1916, that fog horn had to be sounded for 181 consecutive hours. Between 1918 and 1934, the keepers at Moose Peak Light logged more hours of dense fog than any other light station on the main coast. They averaged 1,607 hours a year of fog. Meaning it was foggy about twenty percent of the time, and that had to uh kind of drive drive them crazy, although you hear stories about how uh like the children of keepers at places like that uh got so used to it that it, it they only noticed it when the the foghorn would stop you know they'd <laughs> wake up at like three am when the horn stopped like something was wrong <laughs> because it was silent all of a sudden but I don't know if you have any comment on that how oh, much of that have you experienced I so
2: mean yeah it can get. The, the fog out there can get thick. Uh, they say thick as pea soup. I've heard yeah. people saying that, you know, and it, it it's true. Um, when that fog rolls in, I mean, you you can't see twenty feet in front of you, you know. And so, and it, it makes sense that that's where they would put the the lighthouses for as ships were passing through to help try to navigate in that. It's just wild.
3: We've had a few trips out to the island with Billy uh to you know in the fog and it's it's such a different you know way um, and and billy knows his way around there very well and so you know he doesn't have any navigating stuff but he <laughs> just knows where we're going and uh-huh. it, it sort of makes me a little panicky like oh my gosh it, you know he he'll say things like you know up there we should see a green buoy and about <laughs> you know 30 seconds or whatever. And you know, it, it's one of those sort of scary things. Of yeah, but what if you get turned around? I know there's a lot of um, technology nowadays to help with all of that, but the traveling there to and fro uh, was seems like it really intense to in the fog, so.
0: Yeah. One of my most memorable experiences was uh, going to Petit Manan Lighthouse, which isn't that far from there in the same part of the world with the Coast Guard and thick fog where you couldn't see a thing. And the Coast Guard had the hardest time finding the lighthouse in the fog. They actually let some of the guys off on the wrong rock. Uh, They thought we were right near the island, and (laughs) it turned out we weren't, and the guys had to yell to be picked up a few minutes later. (laughs) It was just crazy. Hmm. But one other thing I'll mention from my my book is the fact that in 1920, May 1920, there was a tragic accident uh, at Moose Peak Lighthouse. The principal keeper, Henry Ray, And the first assistant, uh, Maurice Beale, Beale's one of the big names in that that area, uh, were attempting to land their dory on the island when they were uh, tossed from the boat by heavy seas. Ray got back in the boat, but then was thrown in the water again when the boat capsized. And then the second assistant, Harry Freeman, pulled Beale to safety. The tide pulled Keeper Ray away from the island, and he disappeared in the waves within view of his wife and the other keepers. And he drowned. So uh really it seems like if you research the history of any isolated uh, lighthouse like that uh, offshore light you're going to find some tragedy in there i always tell people lighthouse keeping wasn't as romantic as you think so but it is you know it's it's dangerous so
2: yeah, um, i think it's a yeah. healthy reminder the, the sea the sea can be violent at times and i think it's just always important to remember that and never forget that because um, it, we didn't have any close calls like that. We did get the Coast Guard called on us once this um, this summer. We have five dogs, and um, they sort of roam around some, and uh, they were swimming, and uh, a passing sailboat, I think, thought that there were some unattended dogs, and so the Coast Guard was did come out and called us. Called, somebody's like, I think that Jeremy and Miriam are out there, and so we got a call from the Coast Guard, and, and all was fine. But, yeah, it has been a discussion of ours. And we've always said, you know, if it doesn't seem like we can go out to the island or to leave the island, we're just going to have to stay put. We've seen
3: some pictures, too, of um, wrecked boats and peoples on the island that have come off of the boats that have been wrecked. Um, I can't, I don't know if there's been multiple or just one that we've seen multiple pictures of, but lots of sort of survivors sitting on the island after they've been rescued. And, and so it certainly is an, an area. Um, and things change so quick. That's another thing that we recognize. You know, at one moment it can be fine, and the next it's um, pretty intense. So we try to stay alert. And uh, when we had open lighthouse day, we had to make sure because we had lots of people interested, but we weren't sure that everybody was, you know, it's not, it's not your typical place to go to. There's some, um, you know, some climbing you have to do to get out of the boat and onto the, um, onto the island. And there's lots of places where you could fall off the rocks and things like that. So we had to be pretty clear about if you come out, you know, wear sturdy shoes and be
1: ready to sort of brave the elements so mm-hmm. it was september and i was dressed for winter yeah <laughs> Yeah.
3: and you were probably chilly
1: i was chilly yeah. yeah
3: it wasn't the best of days for open lighthouse day but, but it was um,
1: beautiful and sunny and yeah, yeah
3: yeah It it went well nonetheless so. definitely
0: how many people did you get out there on that day
1: um
3: I think we had two trips of people come out and each of them had about 10 people on them so I think about 20. Mm-hmm. Um we actually went out on the first round the morning one in Billy's boat and then the second um the second trip that Michelle was on uh Billy said it's getting a little rough out there so he called up one of his friends who had a lobster boat and we got to ride on the lobster boat out. Yeah. so that We was did fun. take
1: Billy's boat on the way
3: back, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. He did, pick, a, he did yeah. pick us up and take us back. So that was hard for a few people. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think somebody squeezed my, my hand the whole time on the way back, but she was okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we made it safe. So. Yeah. What do you love most about Mistake Island and Moose Peak Lighthouse?
2: Wow. That's a difficult question. I love the remoteness of it. And the fact that we can be out there and um, you're not bothered by all the hustle and bustle of regular life. And um, I always tell people it's almost like an Andrew Wyeth painting came to life when you're out there. I mean, it's it's just picturesque. Sometimes we've said there's not even really any point in taking a picture because it does it no justice. And when you're taking a picture, you're missing out on so many other things. And it's just a it's an incredible spot. It really is.
3: Yeah, and I think it's given us a, a goal, a long-term goal to have, to be able to take part in uh, something that's really meaningful to Maine and Maine history and Maine maritime history, and being able to feel like we can be a part of um, taking care of something that um, we think is important for future generations to be aware of and to see. And um, so it's it's fun to to feel like we're. You know, are in addition to being able to be in this incredible place and feel really blessed that we can be out there and see all of these things, but uh, to be able to allow other people to have access to that and see that, and hopefully um, continue in the future to be able to see that, I think is, it's, we feel really blessed that we're able to be a part of that.
0: Well, Miriam and Jeremy, those final statements by both of you sum it up really beautifully. <laughs> So i want to thank you so much for joining us here today thank you so so much and i i wish you uh i can't tell you how much i i wish you the best with what you're doing and if there's anything we can do to help please don't hesitate to ask and i hope we can have you back on this podcast sometime to report on your progress sure Uh, congratulations on what you've accomplished and what you will continue to accomplish
3: Thank you. Yeah, we love to hear from people who are interested or want to know more. We love sharing about it.
2: And how
0: can people find out
2: more? Yeah, I mean, you can call us directly. Our our phone number is 207-213-5679. Or you could email us at moosepeaklighthouse at gmail.com. Um, or just go to Jonesport and ask. It's also an in-
0: Instagram uh, yeah. account people can check yeah. out,
2: right? Yeah, if you typed in on Instagram Moose Peak Lighthouse, I I bet it will pop up.
0: And you you post a lot of neat pictures on there.
2: Yeah, we've been having fun with that. So. Yeah, we
3: do more during the summer when we're out there more, obviously. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been it's been fun. So you can follow the story there too.
0: <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, and also thank you, Michelle, for taking part in this today. Thank
1: you for having me. I was privileged <laughs> to be a part of this.
0: Very much appreciated. Sure. Take care. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Many thanks to Miriam Davidson and Jeremy Richardson for being our guests for this episode of Lighthearted. And we wish them all the best with the preservation of Moose Peak Lighthouse. Be sure to follow them on Instagram, and you can also donate through their GoFundMe page.
0: They have a monumental challenge ahead of them, but nothing really worthwhile is ever easy. We'll watch their progress in the coming years, and we'll do whatever we can to help.
1: We have a request for our listeners. If you're a Lighthouse volunteer or if you work at a Lighthouse, we'd love to hear from you. Please email jeremy at uslhs.org and let us know why you do what you do.
0: Why do you volunteer or work at a Lighthouse? What do you love about your Lighthouse? Volunteers and staff people are the backbone of Lighthouse preservation and education, and we'd like to include your comments in this podcast. Again, please email me at jeremy at uslhs.org.
1: Thank you to everyone everywhere who works for the preservation of lighthouses.
0: Absolutely, we're all on the same team and everything you do is important and is appreciated. Thanks also to all the volunteers, members, and staff of the U.S. Lighthouse Society.
1: Be sure to go to uslhs.org to learn more about all the tours, the passport program, educational resources, and everything else the USLHS has to offer. And check out the social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: That's it for episode 43 of Lighthearted. As always, thanks for listening and
1: keep a good light. I'm gonna let it shine,
3: let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.